I got to say, thank you for your commitment to this podcast. If you've been listening to Your Friendly Neighborhood Widow since the beginning, you know the episode titled, I Can't Even, when I talk about my very first moment becoming a widow. A little bit after that, I talked about my marriage. And having that knowledge of my marriage really helps you um, understand what I'm about to talk to you about today in um, this episode about what now. So before we get started... Turn up your volume for the reading of the warning label. Warning! Subscribing to this podcast can expose you to segments and conversations about love, loss, physical and emotional abuse, mental health, and resilience. This podcast contains raw and unfiltered thoughts and feelings from a domestic violence surviving widow. The side effects may be unexpected anger, inspiration, self-esteem boost, and laughter so strong you may pee your pants. An open mind and a change of undergarments are suggested, but not required. And if you need to, please consult a therapist before listening. Thanks for joining. I am this freshly baked widow. This is now the end of I Can't Even, and I'm walking into a season of what now? And it's a huge question, and it's so easy when you're in pain to get away from that. I mean, the agony of losing somebody. And it, and it, you may not understand, and that's okay, wherever you're listening from on an emotional and an intellectual level. I've had a person say to me once, you must be relieved. And um, I don't look forward to recording You Must Be Relieved. It's an episode that I have for you because um, even writing it (laughs) was very heavy and hard. Uh, But in what now, you, you are flooded with emotions. And it's not, and I can't explain it, but in my experience, it was not okay Today I'm angry for 10 minutes and then I'm going to be sad for 15 minutes and I'm going to handle business for the rest of these 23 hours and 45 minutes. Absolutely not. That's not what it was. It was so stinking random and you could be doing the darn thing and functioning as a human being and then all of a sudden, for no reason, this person walks in and they have the right shade of blue eyes or the right cologne on or someone just crazy has the exact same voice or maybe you're hearing things and your season of what now gets all flooded with fear, anger, all the other feelings, agony, uh, guilt. I don't know. I should have written down these feelings so I wouldn't have to like try and guess them. But <laughs> but it's just it's 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 heavy and you don't know where it comes from. And I think that my my little life jacket, it, the little button says, "What now? What now? What now?" It's like, "Okay, I'm sad, but what now? Okay, I'm angry, but what now?" Um and and it's a lot of I told you so's. In that chaos, in that everyday, in my in my battle to throw up my hands and throw up these flags and say, don't do it, don't do it, don't leave us. It's worth being here. It's worth staying in all of that, right? The, the loving part of you says, you are so worthy. You are so worthy of being here. You should stay. And I want you here in spite of the hell, in spite of the chaos. There's a part of you that is greater than this pain. There's a part of you that is greater than this rage. There is a part of you, I've known it, I've seen it. I've talked to it. I've 
I've compelled it. It's, it's, I've seen it. There's a part of you that is greater than the places of disappointments that keep you in this, in these feelings, the places of pain that keep you in these feelings. And there is a selfish component where it's like, well, am I not, is my love not enough for you? And, and I recognize that selfish component where you're like, hello, in spite of all these other terrible things, I love you. Hello. But the most selfish of all, the thing that you never say out loud because you're in such denial, and this is just speaking from my experience, is the idea of not having this person in your life. I mean, I needed, wanted to live in the fantasy of we are going to get better. No one will ever find out we're broken. We're going to get better. It's going to be good because honestly, I can't imagine life without you. And even as it evolves into something way too heavy and something way too toxic and I have to go, I'm still thinking to myself five years from now, I'm going to text you about your master's degree or congratulate you or maybe show up at your graduation 10 years from now, maybe I'll text you about how's your, how your wife is doing and how your kids are doing. We may never be together again, but I was still looking forward to a world where we're both healed and moved on and full of self-love. The biggest denial to wake up every day next to somebody who wants to go is having to imagine life without them so me i buried it and i worked 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 to try and save what seemed and when turned out to be the unsalvageable but the moment i became a widow there was no more denying so what now well, I think compartmentalizing helps. And in my life, there were specific compartments. In my professional life, for example, it was so easy. Because when you work in hospitality, it's not about you. And because it's not about you, there's not a lot of room to be sad or to be angry or anything like that. And if you're triggered, I worked as a hostess in restaurants. So if I'm triggered, all I had to do is a bathroom check. <laughs> a very long one, right? And if you come out, maybe you get called out on that being on your phone in the bathroom and you just take that. Because being on your phone in the bathroom in the middle of your Friday night shift and being reprimanded for that is so much easier than saying that you just had an emotional breakdown. I've written it before. I was going to be heartbroken but I wasn't going to be broke. And something that I didn't even realize is that my job was going to save me. My commitment, me saying I'm going to commit to this job, to this company. I did not realize how that decision was going to save me. This compartment, I had that figured out. That was easy. What it does not mean that I figured out my financials right away. See, <laughs> The cute thing, and 
I use cute here as sarcasm. All these bills are piling up and I'm like, uh-uh, we're gonna put that to the side. And honestly, it may have been the worst decision of my life. And again, I don't know this till later. So if I'm gonna give a quick advice about that, don't ignore the bills, figure that out too. Compartment number three is family. Oh boy, it's incredible because you, I can go ahead and divide that in half, right? And, and I think that one good thing to note is that in my grief back then, in, my, in that first week, in that first month, in that first year, I really did not want to be poked and prodded. I wanted loneliness. I wanted to be loved from behind the door. I wanted to be loved in silence. However, there's this part of family who wants to love on you, to touch you, to hold you, to make you feel safe, to protect you, to take you away from anything that could ever break you. And it's soft and it's kind and and, and to bake you bread. And however, for some reason, you're not emotionally equipped to accept it. And although it's tough and you don't mean to reject it because, I mean, talking from my experience, my grief, I couldn't even see anybody else's grief. So at the time, it seemed like a nuisance, but I look at it now and I'm so humbled and so feeling so loved. Um, but oh boy, let's kick it up a notch and turn up the heat. And there is the family that's all knowing, the family that, you know, guilts you, that feels as though, you know, you've brought negativity into their homes and you've, you know, changed the dynamic of their lives up, you know, all on a secret that you kept and, 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 you know, and it's, And again, looking at it now, I can look back on it and say, wow, such heavy, tough grief for you that it's somebody has to be blamed, right? And it's, and it's tough. And, and it gets me to thinking, oh my goodness, hello, in, in this specific compartment where there's more than you involved, right? Where it's you and a group of people, what now was really not just for me, but for us, our dynamic, our new lives because now as a parent, I have a widowed daughter, as a sibling, I have a widowed sibling, as a close friend, as a best friend, I have a widowed bestie, and we all are connected without wanting to or not. When you love somebody so much, there's this connection that's undeniable and their pain affects you in a, in a crazy way. And so you're there in the middle and you're thinking you're in your own grief and it's just you when truly you're super blinded to the many other levels and colors and shapes of grief that are going on around you. And, you know, right away when you're in your what now, it's not visible. But as you come out of it, you're able to kind of look on it and say, my, my, like, I think there's a huge relief in not having able to see that because it only makes it heavier. And honestly, I don't even have a closing advice on this one. It's just a tough one. And we're six years later and I still can't tell you the solution. But you know, in six more years, listen to an, ep- to an episode and maybe that'll be the solution. Then there's the love life. 24, I feel like, is when all of my friends were dating and me, you know, like starting to figure out what they really wanted out of a of a partner and really having these um real I mean it conversations about you know I'm gonna find my husband here sooner this is my husband I know it 
and I'm like, yeah, that was my husband. Um, I knew it. It's uh, been there, done that, got a t-shirt and it sucks. I can't think of a moment in my first year of widowhood that I did a male relationship correctly. I was a mess. There was this void and I was, I was going to fill it anyhow. How disappointing. <laughs> I think that I've learned this from that first week, that first month, that first year, those first two years, is that I couldn't have prepared for it. No way. Even if somehow I was this rational human being, although if I could have, one tool that I would have brought on with me would have been the ability to live above the guilt. I take it as a blessing that, because initially when it was taken away from me, I felt slighted and I felt disrespected to not be able to take lead on arrangements. And it took me a few years to look look back and say, okay, there's a lot that I feel like I missed out on, but there's so many things that I couldn't handle. It was meant to happen where I wasn't given a task that I simply wouldn't have been able to handle or that would have broken me or that would, or that would have kept me in relationship that weren't going to perpetuate my healing. You know, the ability to live above the guilt, it's so huge. And you have to feed it to yourself, even if you don't feel it, but still say, okay, this is guilt and I want to live above it because there is guilt in going to work. Although people can't, don't know that you've been up all day crying in agony and anger and that you've really only had a 30-minute nap and three shots of espresso and you're here doing your best because there's nowhere else you'd rather be because this is the only place that no one's going to ask a million questions. There's still guilt when you need to take a quote-unquote bathroom break so that you get to be devastated for just five minutes and come back. And there's guilt. You believe, you know, my siblings in particular, this was their biggest heartbreak. It was their, their very first heartbreak. And, you know, you believe the family members who hold you responsible for that. And you feel guilty. You feel guilty and not worthy of the love that these other family members are giving you. However, the ability to live above that guilt, I feel, would have been so important to healing. I can't prove that my decision making would have been different or that my insatiable need for a love life to come in and fill a void would have been any different at all. I do hope that I would have been wiser if I had the ability to live above that guilt and to make these hard decisions in spite of the guilt. I think the answer to the question, what now is that? It's to live above the guilt and to understanding that this is really your journey as the widow. And it's likely to be the most incredible, most empowering. And I think there's a lot of awkwardness and in trying to do widowhood on your own terms. However, I find that what now is that, is what you make it and what you say it's going to be. And you tackle first what you believe should be tackled first. And I think that I lack the experience and I lack the knowledge of being a parent in that situation. However, 
if I were to speak just from my idea of what parenthood is, with my knowledge of what widowhood is, I would say you owe it to yourself to really banish that guilt and say, well, what now is that I'm going to rebuild my life because in the memory of my spouse, in everything good that my spouse has lived for is my strength and my light and anything positive that I bring to this world. It's incredible. And um, I remember saying, and I think I wrote it somewhere, and I can't remember if it was like a like a handwritten journal entry. It was in my blogging, but I said, in spite of anything else, if there's something that I should be is the person that my spouse fell in love with. And that's what now. Thank you for your commitment to this podcast. And I've walked into a room once not knowing, not thinking that what I was bringing to this panel would be relatable at all. And I thought, this is just going to be a big laughable moment of this weak person who just couldn't get it. And it turns out that it's not weakness, it's just humanness. <laughs> I think the word is humanity, but humanness sounds fun. Um, and guilt is normal and pain is normal and fear is normal. All of these feelings are normal um, and they do coexist and they co- in your heart with strength. And I think that the only relevant one though is the strength. And so if I'm going to leave you um, with something great, I hope that is rise above the guilt and really do widowhood or do, tra- you know, do coming back from tragedy, do healing, do growth on your own terms because at the end of the day, um, this is probably the only way that it's doable. If you're wondering what now in my life, um, you may follow me on IG, uh, your friendly neighborhood widow, um, you know, love taco and bourbon (laughs) from the perspective of a domestic violence surviving widow. I certainly look forward to part one and part two of the next episode. Um, It's titled Next of Kin. My sister Randy uh, joins me and we talk about why people are afraid to talk about death. Um, And uh, we talk about money. So we'll talk later, okay?